iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everything bagels. <laughs> That'll be our safe word. <laughs> yes, actually, it's not a bad, not a bad thought. Um, okay, I don't know why I'm sounding like that. Uh, welcome to Off Air. I think it's just all the kind of well, just not highfalutin, but you've been very sort of free and easy with your chat, Jane Mulcairins, this week on Off Air. I, I, I think Feed Lover and I are going to go back to just easier territory, I think, next week. Button yourselves back up. Yeah, I think so. I'll definitely have some really, really restrictive garments on on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back where we started. Back to yeah. corsets. Back to the corsets yeah. and the full body. An hour-old corset. Yes, I think so. That's just my view. Now, um, we, were just, we were just talking about bagels because um, I, I was about to tell you that I have started pretty much every day of my life with a bagel, a toasted bagel, since I first discovered them. And uh, what I don't like is fancy bagels of any kind. But you are, can I just get plain? I like the single ones. They cannot be in packets. Wow. No, not in packets. Oh, I buy a single bagel from the bakery. No, Sainsbury's local. Sainsbury's. Um, so I'm a cinnamon and raisin. Probably, oh, no. Probably top of the... Top of the bagel charts for me is a cinnamon raisin. Uh, I like a sesame seed bagel. Uh, I like a poppy seed bagel, but my teeth don't. You have to take a toothpick around if you're going to have a poppy seed bagel. Um, Cream cheese or butter? Just butter with um, honey. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's no how you, if you want a body that. like mine, that's how you start the day. <laughs> you fit that on the DVD. Yes. <laughs> My cute fit DVD. Well, I'm never ill. You should never say that, should you? Now, um, and that scarf you were wearing yesterday stopped you getting the, the COVID that you worried about. Well, it, but it has, though. It has. I still, You're I, fine. I, I'm under whether, I'm not in any way mocking COVID because I think it can be horrible when you get it. But I am. Um, I think it's all about the timing. I'm, I'm really worried that because I haven't, I've only had it once, that I'm going to succumb at a really inconvenient oh, yeah. time so I'd much rather I don't want time off work but if in the nicest possible way I, got I don't COVID. think you get time off work anymore <laughs> don't you? I think you're meant to come in aren't you? no nobody would want me coughing and spluttering over everybody um, so timing is everything if I could just get it before Christmas I'd be very grateful mm. well, just thing. around the time when you're meant to be doing Mary Berry's countdown <laughs> I'm starting to worry oh, about sorry. my stuffing sorry, balls. Sorry, Oh, can't come. Sorry. Pigs and blankets, I'll have to wait. Oh, no. So I, anyway, it hasn't happened. Get, but get a Chinese. Briefly back to bagels, because yeah, you sorry. were saying that there's this thing you can get in America called everything what? Everything bagel uh, seasoning. So it's, you get everything bagels, which do have everything in them. So they've got uh, sesame seeds, poppy seeds, onion, the onion flavouring. And in Trader Joe's, which is a sort of brilliant supermarket, I, I I'm trying to think where you'd position it. It's sort of a cross between Sainsbury's and Waitrose, but is very they have all their own brand stuff and right. it's very reasonably priced. Okay. Um but brilliant produce. Uh so they have an everything bagel seasoning that you put in everything. People just put it in everything. And you just shake it out. Just shake it around, yeah. 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 It's very salty. 
so which I think is why it's delicious. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's probably really bad for you. Part of the reason I was talking about bagels was because the guest today is Ed Gamble, and um, he's written this memoir called Glutton. He's also one of the hosts of Great British Menu, and he does Off Menu, the podcast, with James Acaster, and he's a comedian. But he does have... He was, at one point... He was very, very overweight. I mean, I think it is okay to say he was obese. I think he was 19 stone, and he's, I think, six foot tall, perhaps a tiny bit taller than that. So he was he was very big. Um, and we, in the course of the interview, we just talk about all sorts of things, including those people who honestly say that food is just a fuel and they'd be just as happy with a tablet. And I... Those are not my people. No, they're not my people either. Um, they're definitely not my people. And I think... I'm trying to think. I just, I think we've all got a weird relationship with food. I think oh, all of definitely. us have really peculiar. I mean, my fixation on this breakfast is nonsensical. <laughs> it certainly isn't healthy. I do know that, really. I just bumped into one of the news editors of The Times in the kitchen and he was making some sort of horrid-looking protein shake and the way he was looking at it was so disgusted. And I did say, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I don't know, body dysmorphia. <laughs> I just thought, poor man. Oh, that, so he's uh, he's prepared to admit. I that, mean, I know, think he was being slightly, slightly, slightly jovial, but yeah. but I think it's, he was saying it's not even working. <laughs> I just thought, oh, just pour it away and get a Kit Kat. Yes, four fingers as well. Four fingers. Um, it's a Thursday afternoon. Treat yourself. It's not just Thursday afternoon. It's nearly Halloween, and I oh, just yeah. want to say um, that Kate McCann, who's Times Radio's incredibly hardworking uber-intelligent, well-informed political editor has, in the very recent past, had what she believes was an encounter with something ghostly at her parents' old barn. She was sleeping there for the night. She heard a bump in the night, something something to do with a, a bedroom that had always been occupied by her grandfather, no longer with us, so um, there wouldn't norm- normally be anybody in that bedroom, and she heard some movements in the night. And she thought it might be her dad, who's got shaky leg at night, and her mom. This is very intricate explanation, <laughs> but she is sometimes concerned. Well, it's a fact that her mom will kick her dad out of bed because of his shaky leg thing. He's, you know, when you somebody yeah, involuntarily leg. starts twitching in the night, it is annoying. Uh, so um, Mrs. Kate McCann, senior, uh, kicks out Mr. McCann, and uh, but this wasn't what happened that night. So what was that noise in the McCann barn conversion? Um, is she doing a special spooky well, show on this? Well, she, uh, in, she's interested in collecting experiences. Mm-hmm. And anything she can do, we can do on Off Air. So I just want, as in the, in the spirit, ho, ho. When is Halloween? Monday? Next Monday, Tuesday? It's 31st, isn't it? I think Tuesday. it's Tuesday. 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 You've, got, you've got time. If you just want to contribute, and they can be anonymous, your experiences of some sort of encounter with something from the other side. And if I'm sounding deeply cynical and I'm going to take, like I'm going to take the piss, I just want to make it clear I don't actually genuinely dismiss this stuff. You also believe in aliens. I, I do believe in aliens. Cause and I say that with no, a very a, measured tone. Thank you for that measured tone. But um, there's got to be, on the basis that if the universe is infinite... Oh, I can't, don't. When no, you say okay. infinity, my brain falls out of my ear. Yeah, you're, I can't do that one. Okay. Um... So, uh, let's never mind, never mind about the infinity and the vastness of space. <laughs> no! Let's just focus oh. on encounters of the otherworldly sort. It could be anything at all. Fee is famous for having something really strange happen to her around the Bromley area. So she'll be back on Monday. <laughs> she can expand on that, if I okay. remember to ask her. 
Can't wait. Yeah, I'm sure nobody can. I don't can. think I've ever had any supernatural experiences. Except I did spend 14 years at Catholic school, so, you know, I watched a person be changed into bread, you know, weekly. Yes. Um, or the other way around. I, you have to remind me, what is the Catholic... Transubstantiation. Yeah, transubstantiation. But what is the Catholic stance on ghosts and things? Um, well, there is a Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. <laughs> Actually, this is very... <laughs> So that's probably the only one we allow. <laughs> yeah, just as, as spirits as long as they're holy. I mean, in all honesty, we are we are approaching the season in which uh, the Virgin has a baby. Uh, yeah. So you know, these are it's all it's all approaching. Could us. it be magic? Could, well, yes. It could. Speaking of Robbie Williams earlier, as we were, we were. Um, Robbie Williams is the cover star of the Times Magazine, of which you are associate editor. And uh, Robbie is at a he's at a good place he's in his at life. Good place. And, he's also yeah. on a Zempic, which we didn't get around to talking oh, yes. about. Earlier. Can we just He's talk on, briefly about yes. that? Yes. So, um, Catelyn, so Catelyn Moran has interviewed him for the cover of the magazine, and it's a brilliant interview. Uh, but she says when she turns up, he looks so thin, he almost looks gaunt. He's lost over two stone, I think, on a Zempic. Um, but as he says, he's got type 2 self-loathing. Yeah. You see, there's another <laughs> one. Is, I mean, I think body dysmorphia all the way with, yes. with Robbie Williams, I'm Which sure. Which is absolutely serious and, yeah. I, I feel, and I feel for him, I really do. Um, back to the Catholic Church, quick mention to Glynn, who says, Jane, you said the other day that you missed kiss-and-tell newspaper stories. What about this headline, worthy, in my opinion, of the Nobel Prize for Literature from The Times? Polish bishop resigns after sex worker faints at rectory orgy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, that was... It, uh, to say that it caught my eye, uh, Glyn, <laughs> would be an understatement. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> we are the newspaper of record. Oh, indeed. Um, so we've had an incredible week this week talking about sexuality. Yes, and, press on with it. And I, I really do want to say again, thank you to everyone who's emailed in because the stories have just been absolutely fascinating and so honest and open. And I think... Both of us have just been really touched by people's honesty and um, well, and, 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 and sharing openness, and, openness yeah. and sharing it with us. Um, there's another great there's another great pile of them today. Um, dear Jane and Jane, here's another point about sexuality that nobody's brought up yet, and it's to do with asexuality. Someone might be capable of being romantic with a particular gender, but not sexual whereas someone else could be both or neither. This opens the options out a bit. For example, I've known people to be bi-romantic, but not bisexual. Could this be what some people are exploring, asks our listener. As for assuming that everyone is somewhat bi, I should be clear that that's not something I'd go up and say to someone. It's more that it's the most likely bet if they haven't said anything, even if they're 97% straight and 3% gay. Absolutely no judgment if they're not, of course. So the listener says there's a spectrum for this too. Have you heard of the Kinsey scale? Um, so I did intend to print out the Kinsey scale and uh, bring it up, but I didn't get back to the printer in time, I'm afraid. But the Kinsey scale is a scale of of heterosexuality and homosexuality so yeah. um i don't know i don't know that i mean kinsey was a long time ago and i think the world's moved on but i don't know well i think there's a spectrum whether you can mark yourself on a scale i don't know surely it depends on the day exactly i, mean, I would have thought so anyway this uh, listener says like I'm all a, scales yes loving this topic yes especially because it's not often discussed in podcasts that aren't explicitly lgbt mm. um best wishes from a loyal lesbian listener says um our anonymous correspondent there well i think that's i mean you're right um, that's the beauty of this podcast actually because fee and i've always said 
that this is a safe space to talk about and to say anything, um, obviously with some clear exceptions, and there, w- there just won't be any judgment. So keep your thoughts coming, Jane and Fee at times.radio. Um, have you got another one there? Yeah, I've got another one, which really touched me actually um hi jane and jane listening to the discussion of sexuality on the podcast this week has made me review my own feelings on the topic i'm a gay woman about to turn 30 i suppose you could say i'm on the cusp of the more sexually fluid generation but my experience has not been one of fluidity and if i'm really honest i think i struggle with the ease that people are starting to talk about just trying out dating women It was really difficult to come to terms with my sexuality in my early 20s and coming out. It can be so hard to admit that you don't have the same feelings as everyone else and that doesn't make you seem less than or broken in some way. Happy to report that I married my gorgeous wife a few months ago, but it wasn't an entirely smooth road. I have female friends who are now starting to explore their sexuality and try dating women. While I obviously advocate for the joy of a relationship with another woman... Going back to what we were saying earlier this week, the connection, Mm. the conversation and the understanding, says our listener, is miles better. I am slightly ashamed to admit that I find it a little hard to see them exploring this side of themselves without the burden of shame or pressure to define their actions. Maybe it's just jealousy. But I do think that although sexuality can be fluid, we should remember that a gay relationship isn't necessarily something you can just try on for a few weeks without any consequences for you or the person you're dating. It can be a very emotionally intense experience. But she says, I've loved hearing this topic discussed and it's great to hear so many stories. Just wanted to weigh in with some good old fashioned other place balance. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad we've had that. Yeah, me too. Because I do think there's the slight sense that some people um, are tourists in that world. Absolutely. Uh, and they know they can go back. And yeah. I've got, you know, without invading uh, the privacy of, of some of my very old friends, coming out back in the 70s and 80s was no mean feat. It was tough, yeah. properly tough. And I think for some people um, in the in the rest of the world, lest we forget, yeah. it's impossible. It's illegal in some places. Uh, indeed, Absolutely. indeed illegal. So, um, yes, I, I think this really is such an interesting area. So please do feel free to keep uh, chipping in with your own perspectives. Um, bedtime bras. Dear James, <laughs> I've always had huge boobs. <laughs> that was my favourite opening line of an email today. Yes, it's, it's not a bad opening, it has to be said. Um, I've always had huge boobs, I'll do it again. By 12, I was wearing a double D cup, and now at 50, I'm a 34 double G. I have three categories of bra. Daytime, dressy, which are underwired and only come out a few times a year, and bedtime. My bedtime bras are more gently supportive than the other categories and are mostly former daytime bras. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Which have lost their robustness. I love that they have a second life. <laughs> I love, I'd like to picture the time at which our correspondent confronts her daytime bra and says it's time to transition yeah thank you for your service but you are now a bedtime bra i don't understand why jane is skeptical about the hygiene of wearing a bra to bed i always shower last thing at night and wash my bedtime bras as frequently as my pajamas my boobs have stood the test of time pretty well i think i'm perkier than most of my friends and the highlight of a recent routine mammogram was an observation that my breasts were very dense for someone of my age. Bravo. Congratulations to that correspondent. I'm completely confident, she says, that my bedtime bra habit has saved my boobs from the fate which claimed my jowls. <laughs> which brings me to what I have always I need wanted. to get a jowl a face bra. Yes. A face bra. Let's go. Who can someone out there invent a face bra? 
male breastfeeding. <laughs> I do. Can I just say, I get paid for this. It's actually remarkable. Uh, what a way to earn your living. But thank you all so much for just taking part in Off Air because, honestly, it's, it's good stuff, this. Uh, it's from Lynn, this. Uh, Jane and Jane, I enjoyed the speculation about whether men can breastfeed. This is off the back of our conversation with Kat Bohannon, who's the American academic who's written that remarkable book about uh, the female body. It's called Eve, How the Female... I think it was how the female body drove 200 million years of civilization. No, of evolution. That's it. Anyway, look it up. Kat Bohannon, Eve. I enjoyed the speculation about whether men can breastfeed. About 40 years ago, my late brother-in-law was left in charge of an infant nephew while the baby's parents went out to celebrate a wedding anniversary. The baby had been solely breastfed and resolutely refused his mother's milk when presented in a bottle. The babysitter eventually stopped the hungry cries by dipping the corner of a clean handkerchief in the milk and draping it over his naked chest. The baby happily suckled on the milk, apparently coming from his uncle's nipple, and latched back on each time the handkerchief had been re-soaked. Wow. How did this man know to do that? I, I don't know. On changing wow. boobs, says Lynn, they certainly do change over time. A niece, age three or four, managed to get into the room as my super modest mother was having a bath. She stood staring hard <laughs> at her grandmother's breasts <laughs> and then commented that her mother has some of them, but hers aren't as long as yours. Well, don't you love kiddies? Aren't they a blessing? Yeah. <laughs> they really are. Uh Dear Jane and Jane, a loyal listener from NYC here. Um, I just want to say it doesn't work on radio, but I'm wearing my New York or Nowhere sweatshirt today. Oh, yes. Um, we too have been overrun by European tourists, both adult and teenage lately, and it isn't even Marathon Sunday. I have to say, when I was there last week, it was packed full of tourists. Was it? That city is absolutely brimming with tourists. It, and is that, that's not unusual, is no, it? No, it's not unusual. Um, even though it costs about a tenner to cough at the moment in yeah. that city. Um but yes, I mean, we, we, we have a lot of Americans here at the moment because mm. um, I think the exchange rate works in their favour. But, but yeah, New York was absolutely thrumming. I mean, it used to be a good value place for Britons mm. to swap, to shop, but it isn't at the moment. I was it? telling no. some young people, um, oh, yeah. sort of Kate's age, oh. the other day about how when I first started work here 22 years ago, I've been, I went away for a long time, by the way, I haven't been stuck here ever since. Um, I remember my editor used to go shopping for the weekend in New York. People used to go for the weekend because it was so cheap. But yeah. It was so cheap. You'd buy jeans, you would buy jewellery. And this person I was telling, she was like, no, they didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> she genuinely thought it was a tall tale. Right. Because the idea that you would ever go to New York and go shopping is just wild Well, you, you, Can I just say, for, I mean, I'm no financial expert, but I do know that you shouldn't go from Britain to America, hoping for a bargain at the moment. <laughs> you will, you will not. not get one. You will not get one. No. Absolutely. Anyway, sorry, back to the email. Yeah. Um, our listener says, I take the subway back and forth to work every day without incident. This is, we were talking the other day about um, how the, the subway's got pretty grimy in New York. Yeah. I mean, it was always a bit grimy, but it's got much worse. And my friends were telling me, yeah, be a bit careful late at night. Mm. So our listener says, to me, the most notable change since the pandemic has been the low level of ridership on Mondays and Fridays. It seems like those days have become universal work from home days. There are so few people on the platform and in the cars on those days that I wonder if I've forgotten a day off or a holiday. But no, my employer just has a less flexible work from home policy than others. Um, thank you for that, Sarah. Um, I think that's actually the case in London as well, that fewer people work on Mondays and Fridays in definitely the offices. Is. Definitely yeah. trains and tubes are a bit quieter, but, but not much. I mean, it's still... 
It's still pretty busy on that old Jubilee line every day, isn't it? Oh, you, you always have to stand on that you one, You do always you? have to stand. Yeah. Oh, you're so horrible to me yesterday, accusing me of not coming <laughs> to work until lunch. Gl- don't think I forgot that. <laughs> I'm glad you're not bearing a grudge, Jane Garvey. I'm just going to do a couple of parish <laughs> notices. Um, uh, first of all, uh, say hello. I need to say hello to Melanie. Melanie, it is true that I do know your sister, Melissa, and I met her for a coffee yesterday. Okay, so you have to believe her when she says that she knows me. She does know me, right? Uh, I want to say hello to Barbara as well, because Barbara is a listener in Liverpool. Her husband is Palestinian. Uh, Barbara says, we've been married for 47 years. I know the suffering uh, he's been through back in the day. And indeed, I know things are difficult for people at the moment. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, it's like having friends who lift your spirits up, says Barbara. So, Barbara, thank you very much. And uh, best of best of thoughts and, and good things to happen to you and your husband. But I imagine at the moment it's it's tough. I mean, it's tough for a lot of people, isn't it? Um, thank you very much indeed for writing. And quick mention as well to Leslie, who says that she's taken a while to catch up with Off Air. She has now done it. Uh, Listen to Fee and I in our old life for a number of years couldn't find out where we'd gone but anyway uh has now got round to it and she's enjoying the company and like me she's missing dark chocolate bounties um leslie you sound like a quality listener stick with us and if you have a ghostly experience to share for next week i know it's not the most original idea for halloween (laughs) every (laughs) single media outlet in the world will be doing this but i like to think it's something only i could have thought of Yeah, it's pathetic, really, isn't it? So to the guest, Ed Gamble, who is a comedian, the co-host of Off Air, the podcast with James. What are you looking at me like that for? You just said the co-host of Off Air. I mean, he might be because I'm never coming back after this after yesterday's comment. That's true, you're not. <laughs> and so to our guest, Ed Gamble, who's a comedian, the co-host of the successful podcast Off Menu with James Acaster, a judge on the BBC Two show Great British Menu and the author of a very, very honest but funny memoir called Glutton. Now, Ed was a big baby who loved his grub, didn't like child menus at all, couldn't bear them, then became a chubby teen who was funny, basically, to make sure that he wasn't bullied too much. Then, when TV fame came his way, he decided he really did need... He really did need to lose weight, and he lost seven stone. I pointed out to Ed that the problem with food as your drug of choice is that, unlike some other things, it is unavoidable. It is, and I'm very happy about that. It's by far my favourite drug. (laughs) Yes, and it has been all your life. Yeah. But because it's something that actually we all need, giving it up or changing your relationship with it is a colossal undertaking, isn't it? It is. I mean, yeah, that's definitely something that I've been through in my life. And uh, I had to shift my lifestyle from being a very greedy uh, teenager and especially student after I graduated from university, making a bit of a lifestyle change and sort of thinking about what I ate a little bit more. And yeah, it it took a lot of willpower that I didn't know that I had, um, but uh, I managed it and now have a great relationship with food and love it. And I, it's always been my theory, for what it's worth, that every single one of us has a relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And we go through phases and we have foibles and there are times in our lives when we want one thing and not something else. Um, have you ever met someone who, honestly, you don't believe has a relationship with food? Yeah, for sure. Have I mean, I, I've, I've met people who do just see food as a, as a fuel. Yeah. And are quite, I mean, they do have a relationship with food, but they're just quite annoyed that they have to eat. Um, and these tend to be people that I don't uh, extend my relationship with. 
because <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't understand them. But you know, I'm sort of jealous of them in a way. These are people who you know they're so busy they just got to get on with their life and they you know they trot out that old thing of well if food was a pill I'd just take the pill and you're like okay well where's the joy in your life? <laughs> yeah, like... I'm also baffled by people who make the claim that they have quotes forgotten to eat. Yeah, I've never forgotten. No, I've never forgotten to. I've forgotten to do everything else in my day. But the eating will remain, because I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat from the moment I get up. That's the thing I'm looking forward to. But what we need to say for those people who can't, can't see you right now is that you are very svelte. Um, I'm svelter than I was, well, yeah, certainly. You're, yes, that's true. And, and you say very clearly in, in Glutton that you were, a, well, you say a giant baby? Yeah. Um, and Big, were, yeah, very and a, and a you know round little toddler and yeah. just a very glee, I gleefully ate. I think yeah, yeah. But other people encouraged you in doing that, didn't they? Oh, of course. Yeah, I think certainly when you're when you're a little kid as well. I think you know I think the stereotype often with kids is they're very fussy eaters. So I think if you happen to have a kid who enjoys all foods, you probably do think great. Yeah. We've locked out here. Well, I love the bit where you just say that as a as a kid, you were a passionate campaigner against the idea of a kids menu. Yeah, I still stand against kids menus. I think if we, I think if we weren't offering kids kids menus, then they'd you know they'd have to eat. You could probably give them something a bit more adventurous. And I say this as someone who doesn't have children mm. or understand how difficult it is. No, but all the all the best childcare experts are people who've not got kids. Yes, so, I think so. so that, that's, it's actually been the case throughout history. I think yeah. so. I wouldn't worry about that because we've all had some sleep, you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so when you went out with a, did you go out on family meals when you when you were young? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. where did you go? Well, we go to the same places that everyone else went to, really. But, you know, go to sort of normal restaurants where families were welcomed. But I was just always, always against the kids' menu. I, I always wanted to join in with what the adults were doing, I think. So it was the things like onion rings and, uh, you know, the fish fingers. And I was just like, no, that's not for me. Now, I quite like all that stuff. But not then. Okay. <laughs> not then. And I think your dad, was was he a war baby or he'd grown up just after the war? Yeah, it was. this is what he puts his sort of uh, finishing all of his meals and cleaning the plate and, you know, licking the gravy off the plate and all this sort of, uh, this stuff that I, I do get up to and get told off for every time. He would put that down to the end of rationing and he was a kid in, you know, the 50s and he was like, well, we had to eat everything, but I think it's just, we're just genetically greedy as a family to well, be honest was he a big man your dad no he's um you know he's stocky i'd say he's a lot shorter than me um i think i get my height from my mother um so he's gutted about that uh <laughs> but uh yeah he's he's been through uh, various body shapes in his life as well i think that's probably fair to say so what does he make of the new you i think well you know people never want to say anything at the time do they mm. they don't want to go maybe you should think about you know losing a bit of weight or whatever or at least you know go for a walk during the day <laughs> it actually brings some activity into your life but i think he's i guess he's proud of me you know he's uh he's never he's never said that particularly about losing weight but right yeah i think he's impressed that i managed to do it to do it okay yeah. and um go back to, to school you were well you were the kid i think you had a packed lunch and school lunch didn't you on, yes, on we, the whole i yeah. wasn't supposed to obviously no. i got you know a lovely packed lunch from my mum and uh and then would sneak into school lunch yeah right i mean that really is illegal yes yeah yeah, yeah. nicking i was nicking lunch you were taking lunch yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and um what was the highlight what was the great a British school dinner classic. I mean, I, think, I look back on it now and I think, why was I, why was I stealing this food? Because it was dreadful. Um, uh, I mean, I talk about it in the book. The, they would do these ribs, they'd call them ribs, but they'd spell them differently so they couldn't get into any sort of legal issues. And it's just like reconstituted meat 
into a sort of vague rib shape and then cover it in a horrible barbecue sauce. I used to love it. The old scrapings of the abattoir yeah. carpet thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, well, you should have tried the 70s. I mean, honestly, Ed, <laughs> you, don't know, you don't know how lucky you were, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and you were, were you, be, were you funny because you were bigger than the other kids or were you bigger than the other kids and therefore you decided to be funny? What, what, what I don't really know. I mean, it's the old thing, isn't it? Like, the, the, people will say that they had to become funny to stop people bullying them for whatever reason. But I think, I'm ju- I, think I was just a naturally funny kid uh, who happened to be bigger and I leant into it and realised that I could make jokes about, about that and my size. And that would be my sort of social position within the school. So you may as well sort of make comedy hay out of it, really. And you were happy with that, were you? Yeah, I think so. Largely. I mean, I probably would have rather, you know, had some other things to to make comedy out of, but I, d- I don't think it ever necessarily got me down too much. So was being big, was that, that was your personality? By the time you became a student, yes. you were, I think you, I've just written this down actually, the fully, the university fully formed funny fat guy. Yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Because I think, I think especially doing comedy, and I found this out, you know, when I started doing stand-up as well, people's first impressions of you, you do have to mention stuff like that straight away. You you almost have to relax people to make them aware. You're sort of like, I know, yes, I know I'm probably, bi- I'm bigger than you are, just because otherwise people get weirdly tense. They're like, does he know? Um, so, <laughs> But how, I mean, I, I, I suppose I'm very conscious of not wanting to be sizist here, but just for the purposes of the interview, yeah. uh, tell us your your height and then your weight when you went to uni. So when I, I think when I, I didn't really know it when I went to uni, but certainly when I started trying to lose weight, which was after uh, uni, I think I was a nineteen stone maybe, and I'm just over six foot. So you're tall. Yeah, I'm tall as well. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a broad like I'm I'm a naturally sort of broad guy anyway, and and bigger guy. Uh, but yeah, probably yeah, nineteen stone. I'd say yeah. Uh, did you uh, play rugby or anything like that? I played rugby, but I was terrible at it because I didn't enjoy it. And if I don't enjoy things, I don't invest any time or effort into them. So that was the uh, end of your rugby. Career, yes, then. absolutely. So at school, I was on the B, I was on the B team okay. for rugby, uh, which was literally just I wouldn't really run around, but they could just plonk me on the field in the way of people. And you probably did look intimidating. Yeah, I think yeah. so. But I just I'm always smiling as well, so I don't look intimidating at all. But I could just act as a sort of an obstacle. So uh, one of the highlights um, of your adolescence, I think we can call it a highlight, was the day you had four pizzas. Yes, that, now, was, that was at uni. Yeah, yeah, at uni. Okay, I need to say they weren't consecutive, were they? There were there were gaps in between. There were gaps, but it was yeah, it was in one day. Which I, you know, I'm still vaguely proud of in a, <laughs> in a weird way. Well, I'll let you take a sip of tea and then we'll just go through each pizza if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, let's do it, yeah. So, beginning with the first one. Well, yeah, I mean, I would quite often have pizza as the first thing I ate when I was at, when I was at Durham. Uh, but I think the, so you get the order of them right. Because we ha- I had, uh, yeah, a lunch uh, with some friends before a show and had a hoisin. Uh, hoisin and duck pizza. That well-known Italian classic. Yeah, absolutely, just like Mummy used to make. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, at the time I was like, I didn't care about quality or anything in food. I'd just go like, well, that sounds nice. And secretly, really, I wish I could have that pizza again because it was it was wrong, but it was good. Mm. Um, then pizza for dinner, obviously, uh, and then uh, one of free pizza uh, at the at the takeaway. Yeah. I've not seen it before and I've not seen it since. Um, they had a wheel behind uh, behind the till, like a f- Wheel of Fortune style wheel. Mm-hmm. And you could spin it and win a prize. And I won a free margarita pizza. 
right? <laughs> Just to top off the yeah, day. Yeah. So um, I was nibbling that throughout throughout the show and after the show as well. So you were already performing. Yes. And um, the courage required to be a stand-up comedian. I've always thought it was a huge thing to be able to do. To uh, uh, Can you take us to the... Well, do you see it as a courageous thing to do? Actually? Not when I started doing it. I think the reason why quite a lot of stand-ups start young is I don't think you think about the courage it takes. I think you are blessed with the arrogance of youth. Um, so you're just like, yeah, I'll give that a go. And you're just a bit more gung-ho about things. I think if I was to th- decide to do it now, I think that would take a, a hell of a lot more courage, to be honest. Um, and also, I started doing comedy at university, and it's a it feels like a safe environment. You're sort of wrapped in cotton wool, and you know your friends are in the audience, and... I think there are people there who are like, that's so brave, that's amazing. So I think you get away with a lot more at uni. And you're bad, but students will laugh at bad comedy. What um, what was what were your opening lines, your hit opening lines back in the day? Well, so when I started, because I was doing sketch comedy at university as well, that was sort of my first comic performance was, was doing sketch comedy. And honestly, I don't think I can remember. I think I must have brain dumped my first stand-up set because it was so bad. But well, were you um, one of those woke comedians that we hear about today? That wasn't even that wasn't even a discussion. Well, it was point. yet a thing. That was okay. that was yet to be a media buzzword. Right. Uh, in uh, back then. So people... were you a sexist old fart then? No, neither. Neither. It's amazing. I seem to operate within uh, within the grey area that people just used to call comedy. But I suppose, had you been at the time an average sized bloke, mm-hmm. do you think you'd have been as funny? Interesting. I mean, I guess, I guess you know, we we never know. You know, if 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 one small thing was different in our lives, uh, who knows where we'd be? But I think it probably gave me more of an impetus. It certainly gave me more material. It's certainly probably made me think. Right, I'm I'm a funny guy. This this is my thing, rather than being sporty or you know chatting up women or anything like that. I was like, my confidence comes from being funny. So that's probably why I started doing comedy. Certainly. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ed Gamble is our guest. He told me about being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was 13. It can, so it can be genetic type 1 diabetes, uh, but I think we found out like my, my granddad's cousin had it or something. But it's an autoimmune condition, so I think I got a really bad cold when I was a teenager and it, you know, shuts down that cold or whatever, but then it keeps, it keeps basically destroying stuff in my immune system, so then it basically destroyed my pancreas's uh, ability to produce insulin. So I think bad luck is probably, you know, bad luck within science is probably the way to put it, yeah. But did nobody at that point in your life intervene and say, you have really got to start thinking about what you eat? Yeah, definitely. Um, like, certainly, uh, 
you know, I went to the hospital, I had a chat with the the brilliant team at the hospital I went to the in the youth department thing there. Uh, and def- yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they tell you to think about it, but also I think it's really important when people are diagnosed to let them know that it's not a total, it's not a death sentence and it's not going to radically change their life to the extent they can't do anything they weren't doing before, especially when you're diagnosed as a young teenager. So there's only so much you can be told and especially you know how sort of bullheaded teenagers are mm. they will just do their own thing anyway and i did i did do the the bare minimum needed <laughs> uh with with type 1 but my control wasn't good enough for a few years and then i in time i came to my own decisions about it and and got on top of it but you only really decided to take on the issue of your weight when you started getting jobs on telly well, that was the first time I decided to try and lose a bit of weight just because, you know, we were told we were doing this TV show and I was like, okay, I might see if I could never really try to lose weight before, particularly in a concerted way. Uh, and then, you know, I just started thinking a little bit more about what I was eating and doing some exercise and I was like, oh, actually works, everything that people say. Yeah, the dispiriting thing uh, for anybody reading the book and wanting a, a really easy way to lose weight... It doesn't exist. No, there isn't one. I mean, you yeah. basically ate less, moved more... Yes. ...and it was a gradual thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, unfortunately, turned myself into one of those people who enjoys exercise. I'm one of the boring people now. Yeah, well, you said it. I haven't got any more questions about that. But, <laughs> um, you did, no, you ran the marathon, I think it was 2017. I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, have yeah. you done it since? I've done it twice, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so that you are you are to all intents and purposes a changed man. Yeah, I think so. I think people would be people who knew me, you know, in the in the early 2010s, up until then, uh, would be very surprised that I've run two marathons since then. Do you think some people preferred the old you then? I think I think I'm essentially the same person, you know, personality wise. But I yeah, I get that I was a bit. I was probably a bit more relaxed. Like I was a bit more, a bit more fun, maybe, um, but also pro- I was just tired all the time. So I can't, you know, I can be more fun. I can you know, stay up a bit later now, but I probably won't have a doner kebab pizza at the end of the night. Yeah, so you've got more energy to do yeah, more boring things for sure. Oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when you first take up running, uh, you have a um, how are we going to pre- a lavatory based accident? Yes, yes. Which I knew could happen. Yeah, but I, if I'm honest, Ed, I didn't think it actually did it does it does happen yeah because yeah I, it felt like my body went into shock that i was running um and but reacted yeah, accordingly and reacted accordingly yeah. yeah uh it was it was a real surprise and i cannot believe as i sat down to write the book i did not realize i would go into it in so much detail no i learned but... a lot <laughs> I, but I, I mean interestingly i suspect there'll be lots of women who relate to that because you know periods can just start when you don't sure, really expect yeah. them to and you we're, most women are probably used to having to shovel off to try and find yeah. a loo but I, it's actually i found it quite gratifying to hear about a man waddling waddling <laughs> off to a toilet um with something to deal with well if there was one angle i didn't expect to hear on the book that that story was somehow allyship <laughs> well, I've, can i just say it you had me there <laughs> up until then i wasn't really sure about you but um, i mean there, there are serious po- points to this book and I, I wonder i mean what is if you had a message for somebody who was struggling because mm-hmm. what I didn't take from this that you had huge struggles of your own no I mean you can correct me but um what would you say to someone who I don't know is is a 19 year old lad at university or, or anywhere else in their life and just thinks oh you know I don't want this isn't really me I yeah. don't want to be like this I don't want to be identified as that funny funny fat guy 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, firstly, I would say never take advice from a comedian, but I'll give you some anyway. Yeah, do it. Um, just you, you've got they've got so much time in their lives, and you, you may as well give something a go. And that you've probably got more willpower than you thought you did. That's certainly what I found out about myself. I thought I've, I can't, you know, I'll never be that. I'll never exercise. I'll never sort of eat healthily. But if you just give something a go, take things one day at a time. It's it actually actually turns out all right you, you have a job that i mean you are surrounded by food yeah um, the great british menu off menu your yeah. podcast with james uh, do you uh, why have you done this if, if I'm, i suppose i'm just a bit boggled by why you've chosen to stay in a world that has presented you pre- presented you with some challenges even if they mm. haven't been colossal well i'd say it's not the same world so when I was when I was bigger and when I was at university and before then, I was doing a lot of just mindlessly eating and didn't really matter what it was. And it was actually after I lost weight that I really got into food because I started thinking about, you know, I want to eat nice things that I enjoy. So what I started to do was seek out the best versions of those things. And then I started getting into sort of restaurants and reading food blogs and reading, you know, reading recipe books and all of this just... Mm thinking of how I could get the best versions of food and how I could cook the best versions of food. And that's a really exciting thing. And then you start to realise it's not about quantity, it's about it's about quality. So it became, that then it became my passion and my hobby rather than something I used to do sort of emotionally. Um, so now I get to do Great British Menu, which is like the best chefs in the country, mm. in the UK. And then, you know, off menu I get to talk about food all the time. So it's brilliant. Yeah, um, on the Great British Menu, I think you're told just to have a tiny bite. Are you of every? That's what Andy dish? Oliver told me because she, she was a judge before she came became the host. Yeah, uh, and she said just to let you know, it's a lot of food, so you're going to have to have one. I think she said two bites actually, maybe you know one bite to see what it's like first of all, and then another bite to really start to think about the flavours and what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Always eat the whole thing. I always yeah. eat the whole thing because. Then the that the old Ed kicks in there. I can't believe my luck. So the old Ed hasn't gone completely. No, yet. no, 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 no. He's still there. I still have to. Now and again, I have to sort of go. Okay, you probably don't need to eat all of that. You'll feel rubbish tomorrow. But I think that's getting older as well. Like now, I get a hangover from food as well as booze. So yeah, actually, your booze is another thing that you've. Um, you say you just don't because I am that person who can go out and just have one drink. One drink, that's amazing. Yes, I, but I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm keen on food. Yeah, but, but I'm very happy with just one alcoholic drink. Yes, uh, I'm not, and you, I am the kind of person you say you despise. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that. I'm, I'm jealous. I'd say I'm jealous. So one drink, I, yeah, one drink I just can't do because I think I say in the book it's like going to the cinema and leaving after the trailers. Like one drink is the one where you're like, "Whoa, this is something's going to happen here," and then the second drink is the fun, it's the really fun one, and then it's downhill from that point. Yeah, I may actually have lied about saying I only ever, <laughs> ha- only ever had one drink. Uh, and also, you've you flirted with veganism, but you yeah. you now say you have an open relationship with cheese. Yes, I so, do. I mean, what is your status? You're not a vegan, are you? Not a vegan, no. Um, certainly, being I, I was vegan for not very long, for maybe like eight or nine months, uh, and I enjoyed it at the time. But then I returned to the world of uh, meat and dairy. It welcomed me back with open because. arms. Uh, the truth is we were going on holidays to Japan right. and I looked into the potential uh, veganism there, decided it absolutely wasn't worth it and I didn't want to miss out on all the treats that that place has to offer. Um, so but by the time I got back, I was just fully, fully back in. Um, but now I'd say I've got slight, a slightly better attitude. I won't, 
I won't look at every meal and go, well, it's got to have meat on it or it's got to have a dairy product. I really like vegan food, so I will regularly eat dishes that are completely vegan. All right, best British cheese? I mean, it's going to sound so boring, but like a super mature cheddar is fantastic. Like ev- every year my mother-in-law buys me a massive truckle of very, very mature cheddar, Ooh, um, which is, yeah, that's a real treat. Okay, yeah. and genuinely the best vegan meal? Best vegan meal. I mean, there's some amazing restaurants around. I see. I, I really got into scrambled tofu. It's and people bulk at that, but well, like me, yeah. It's not. I think people get weird about like oh, vegan replacements. They're doing an impression of non-vegan food, but it's its own thing completely. So calling it scrambled tofu, it's not like scrambled egg at all. It's got its own texture. But you can add so many spices to it and get loads of flavour in there. So yeah, I got. I turned into quite the whiz in making scrambled tofu. Okay, well, we'll let you get away with that. I don't think I've convinced you, have you I? You haven't, but never mind, we're moving on seamlessly. <laughs> is it significant that you and your wife got together before your weight loss? Or is it yeah. is it irrelevant, actually? I don't think it's irrelevant, but I think it's, I think it's quite interesting. Because like, she, she never had any sort of... She was never pushing me to lose weight or suggesting it might be a good thing. She just let it happen and was very impressed that I managed to do something and she was supporting me. Um, but a lot of people told me afterwards, they were like, God, she's lucked out, hasn't she? Like, she made a good investment early doors. But I don't think she sees it like that. <laughs> what? She, she took a punt on a chubby bloke yeah, yeah, yeah. who turned out to be really fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish but I hadn't she, said that now, but never mind. You've said it now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but she obviously thought I was attractive anyway. So, it, um, but yeah, it's it's worked out fine. But it certainly, you know, it made me even more sure that she's she's the one for me because you know regardless of anything uh, we're we're into each other's personalities you know because oh, um, that... we're both hilarious that's yes okay <laughs> well I, I feel a chuckle coming on <laughs> ed gamble and uh, we had an interesting text actually jane and a, a sweet one after that interview had gone out from someone saying that they loved the bit about his wife fancying him and wanting to be with him when he was larger, let's be honest about it. Well, he was honest about it. Uh, and apparently the, the listener said it reminded him of the, the Smith song, or was it a Morrissey song, You're the One for Me, Fatty? Oh, I love that song. Do you, yeah, I, mm. I, I've quite... I, used, I, I would sing it for you, but I've already marked my card with yeah, my comment I, about no. you not coming in early enough, so I don't, yeah, I don't want yeah. to ruin things entirely. I'd like to come back one day. I'm marking your card, and you I would really give are. you four out of ten. <laughs> I mean, your attendance has been good. Although you were quite late today, earlier on, and um, kettle, and um, I think your commitment sometimes—I—I I don't know—I think it's questionable. I think your attitude is all wrong at times. But never mind. Um, Have you been reading my old report cards? <laughs> yes, oh God. Actually, I'm a fine one to talk about those. Uh, Jane, it's been lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's and been a wonderful week. No, it has. It's been really good fun. And thank you for sharing. And thanks to everybody else who shared so much this week. Hugely appreciated. Feedback on Monday. And our guest, I mean, I may as well not turn up at all. Never mind coming in late. It's Claire Balding, so I'm not going to be able to say anything. <laughs> I mean, it's just pointless. Claire, come and have a cup of tea with me downstairs. Yeah, I'll, I'll sneak down yeah. and come and find my real friend, Jane. <laughs> Have a good couple of days. We're back next week. We're bringing the shutters down on another episode of the internationally acclaimed podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. 
Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. But don't forget that you can get another two hours of us every Monday to Thursday afternoon here on Times Radio. We start at 3pm and you can listen for free on your smart speaker. Just shout play Times Radio at it. Uh, You can also get us on DAB Radio in the car or on the Times Radio app whilst you're out and about being extremely busy. And you can follow all our tosh behind the mic and elsewhere on our Instagram account. Just go onto Insta and search for Jane and Fee and give us a follow. So in other words, we're everywhere, aren't we, Jane? Pretty much. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.